What's up, everyone? It is 2 p.m. on a Wednesday afternoon, which means you're tuning in to Cannabis Legalization News. I'm producer Lawrence. Today, we're joined by Corey Higgs from THC Creative Solutions. He's going to give us a few tips on marketing and advertising your cannabis business slash brand. But first, let's get into the news summary. Tom and Niggy, how y'all doing? Oh, just fine. Just fine. How about you? Pretty smooth. Beautiful day in Chicago. Oh, my God. It's a beautiful day here. How is it in uh, Seattle? It's a fucking heat wave. Oh. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I hear that news story all about the West Coast, and it's like the hottest on record, like in Arizona and Southern California, and it's just burning everything down, and it is freaking gorgeous in Illinois. Nice. Like, it is, like, I, I went outside to get the mail, and I'm like, uh, I'm doing it wrong. Uh, this is not a day to be inside, you know? <laughs> no, I say heat wave, but it just means it's above 80, that's all. It's not a heat wave. Yeah, <laughs> watch it, it is. But hey, uh, let's talk about stuff. Yeah, man. It was a pretty decent week. Illinois actually dropped its first uh, scintilla of evidence. And oh, yeah, if you like the word scintilla, drop those likes and subscribes because that's what you get here at uh, Cannabis Legalization News. You get all sorts of uh, boring stuff like, hey, look, there's a new application form that has come out for the uh, social equity applicants. Well, they're probably all, all will be, but no, it has to do with ties. And so Illinois is getting ready to report the winners of the dispensaries at least. And there's going to be a log jam of ties at the top. And so yeah. if you have tied and you don't want to take the lottery, you can decline to become an ed- eligible applicant. So this basically means that what they've done, and, and I've added this to uh, our website here, uh, cannabisindustrylawyer.com. If you have any questions, please do go there and, and ask them at this little question box right here. And then, so anyway, um, uh, so there's going to be these ties and these people are yeah. like oversubscribed to, and by oversubscribed, I mean like they're on more than one application. And so because of that, there's overlapping ownership. And then if you've tied and there's overlapping ownership, then you might have to do decline which means that well no no think about it those motherfuckers are about to get bought out i mean like think if you are on more than one application it's like come with us no no no, come with us uh no 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 let me let me let me find out what i need right here just oh i found it i got the company checkbook okay (laughs) uh so hey i'm gonna just open this up and i'm gonna write a number down and if you want me to not decline well uh you're gonna pay me that and so that's what i'm uh foreseeing in the very near future. And so like, because that also came out, you know, it's just them telling us that it's about to happen. Yeah. And so yeah. maybe like Friday, Friday news down. So when you say like, like for the social, the, the applicant themselves, like the one person will receive like a, say violation of being on five different. Uh, yeah. Like the unicorn, like the veteran law enforcement, social equity. Applicant. Yeah. So yeah. that call person- me for unicorns. I have some, if you're looking for your next round. Yeah. But would that person be then singled out by all five entities and being like, hey, we're the biggest bidder. Will you stay with us? I mean, is that going to be an option for them or does the state decide? Nope. You uh, it's, it's it's a private business decision amongst. OK, so if you have one social equity unicorn on like 10 different teams in the Chicagoland area and he gets in to like and again, like so if they're tied and there's more of va- it and then it gets confusing, you know, it's like, how can it be? Uh, it gets more confusing. It's one of those like no less than five, but no more than three. And you're like, how can it be less than five, but more than three? And so it's one of those where um, if there's more a number of licenses available than uh, the people that are tied, they can't be on all of them. And so then they have to decline or or they all get disqualified, something like that. Right. Uh, and so you can read it's in the new rules that have. And that's the other thing Illinois did for news this week was they said they're finalized. The rules are now finalized. So we're just kind of waiting 
uh, to see when they come out. But that's the Illinois news summary. What else you got going on oh, in your well, neck of the woods, man? There's still more in Illinois, bro. Did you notice? I mean, as you talked about for money, money's being the motivator for everybody. But, uh, you know, Naperville. Oh, yeah. Good. I'm glad Naperville came around. They were one of the haters on it. And so Illinois is the same type of thing where you can opt out or, or but if you're silent, you're basically in. And so it's really, really interesting. Uh, unlike in. I think California has got the opposite. I think like you had to opt in, you know, just so, how you how do you set your defaults? Like if you're going to have a dry county when you legalize. Yeah. So my, my philosophy is just like, you know, you default to have people recycle because then 85% of people recycle. But if you make it the option to recycle, like only 15% of the people will do it. Yeah. Most people don't have my kind of nerdy uh, political science degree. And, and they, are, they haven't read the book Nudge by Cass Sunstein and some other David Thayer, I think. Uh, it's been many years since I've read it. But um, it, there's ways that you can set up regulations to be able to make sure that people are more compliant. And, and if you want uh, your cannabis industry to be pervasive throughout your state, and you should, uh, oh, because that's, that's a, an article that we'll get to next. Uh, uh, so if you want your cannabis industry to be pervasive and, and thriving, you should just have it be opted in. So if they don't say anything, then you're going to you know, just have the ability to open a cannabis store there. But if they opt out, like Naperville had, then they say, no, 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 you're not allowed to be here. But I thought California, everybody just defaulted to opting out. And so then they had to make the affirmative choice to uh, go ahead and say that it's legal there. But uh, not what I like. Not what yeah. I like because yeah. of this story right here. Uh, and so when you look at that and you go, that's not a story. That's, that's obviously a complaint. Yes, it is. It's a complaint. It is a lawsuit from uh, Maine, uh, which was filed by a company that was not from Maine. I want to say, where was that company from? One of the neighboring states to Maine, somewhere else in uh, New England. And they sued under the, the U.S. Constitution for the Dormant Commerce Clause, and they got the state residency requirements disqualified in Maine. What the fuck? Well, you read it here first, so let's go do some posts on that, and then we yeah. can wage a, a war throughout these states, like Oklahoma, where you need 75%, or Illinois, where you need 51%. Yeah. But like with Illinois, that's point-based. So like you really don't need any. But if it you just, don't have it, you won't win it. It just seems ironic to me to use the Constitution to change a policy for something that's already illegally, federally illegal. Well, think about delivery of hemp. So I'm an Illinois hemp farmer and I want to deliver to Iowa where smokable hemp flour is illegal or something, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe not Iowa, maybe Indiana, North Carolina, Texas. Texas. Yeah. Okay. Now you're not allowed to get in the way of the interstate commerce and hemp. All right. Mm -hmm. I mailed this hemp for my business uh, from Illinois to that guy in Texas and they had a privacy right as well. So why are you inspecting their mail? And second, why are you interfering with their interstate commerce? Yeah. Okay. So the guy lives there now. I mean, how are we going to start disqualifying these types of smokable hemp bans that are out there? And it's crazy, man, especially well, the USDA regs go in effect. Along with crazy, uh, you know, Vermont just did the uh, uh, their uh, uh, they had a committee meeting right oh, here. Good. And uh, if you click on the, the link there here, I'll put this main one in our group. But uh, if you click on the link, you can actually watch the discussion for uh, quite a little bit. But one of the things that's kind of funny about these guys and their rules so again, because legislation is sexy, it got passed a year before in the House and then the following year in the Senate. And now they're discussing policy. So it's taken two years to get this goddamn policy approved. Right. But th they have a ban here on vapes, uh, concentrates. Mm -hmm. and they mark the limit. Oh, here we go. 30% or no, 30% oh. for, for, for cannabis THC itself, 60% for concentrates. That's that's silly. I mean, that this. Is, 
ridiculous, silly. Well, like, what are the what's the other forty percent supposed to be bullshit? You know, like I mean, you understand how these things are solvents, right? They they are uh, they don't mix in water. So, like, what do you want me to put it in? Oil? Do you want me to put it in alcohol? You know, like, what's going to be my solvent on that? If I'm gonna if I'm gonna have to dilute it down to sixty percent, it makes no sense. Well, I think that if they're talking about potency, like you know, THC potency being uh, uh, some of these concentrates hit you know eighty. Uh, of course, yeah, because it's it's a distillate. I mean, like yeah. you know, you make oil from the. It's uh, it's a common thing that we should probably have an extractor on to walk us through every single element of it. That'd be really fascinating. I but, think we will. Uh, I'll hit up the labs here because they're a really good educational resource too, and uh, they're local to me. Nice, and then uh, let's let's round out the news summary with uh, going over to our. Good friend, marijuanamoment.net. Don't forget to check in on the marijuanamoment.net. They they do a great job reporting. And we already talked about the Vermont one. So uh, it looks like top state cops tell Congress to legalize marijuana as new poll shows strong voter support. Is that out of a particular city or is that out of America? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Four state attorney generals have and 50 other current law enforcement sent a letter to Congress on Wednesday endorsing the federal marijuana legalization bill and urging a vote on legislation to be held on the floor next week. So that is that's that's some pretty good stuff. And that's also for the more act, the more act that we've yeah. done stuff on. If you guys want to, don't forget to smash the likes and subscribe and then you'll probably be it or just go to our channel and then search for the more act. And you can see the summary that we've done on that. But yeah, this is uh, remember the guest that we had from Leap uh, at the Law Enforcement Action Partnership, uh, the, the Texas judge that we had that, that conversation with. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. So that's pretty sweet. That's pretty sweet. But I, then, again, I, I don't think it's ever been uh, uh, at least within the past eight years, seven years, five years that it's been a negative uh, topic to be behind. Like. It just seems common sense at this point, almost as, as a, I don't know, like, it, but like, you know, prejudice is enclave based. And so when you're in somewhere that you have a, like a lot of diversity and like a, a big marketplace with a lot of different types of people from different types of backgrounds, they're more tolerant. But then if you're in the middle of Oklahoma, well, no, Oklahoma is different now. If you're in the middle of Nebraska, though, though um, man. You could just maintain pre prejudice in the middle of Nebraska for a while. Yeah, but, you know, the Internet's going to. I it's going to permeate all that. It's going to permeate all that. You know, unfortunately, though, we're still dealing with, uh, uh, you know, social media biasness, like here in Pinterest. You know, oh, apparently, Pinterest no, one, no one's ever pinned a marijuana thing. And then at yeah. the same time, if you're looking for edibles, uh -huh. hey. <laughs> Cooking with cannabis returns 85 bazillion pins, but the search term marijuana returns zero pins in Pinterest. And I bet you CBD pins too, but we should ask our guests about that. Yeah, because like that shadow ban stuff that goes on in social media, that can make advertising your cannabis company or marketing it quite challenging. Do or die. Yeah, let's bring Corey on. Hey, Corey, what's going on? Hey, what's happening, everybody? Nothing much. Thanks for joining us today. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing at THC Creative Solutions? Yeah, sure. Uh, so THC Creative Solutions is a kind of a one-stop shop. Um, what we like to say is it's from uh, cultivation to brand creation. But uh, basically, we deal with everything from licensing, permitting, uh, genetics, getting your grow facility built out, uh, all the way through to compliance and uh, marketing, packaging, um, brand creation, distribution, and uh, you know, doing pieces right there inside the uh, dispensaries. So kind of a cross board. You don't walk around all day and just ask people if they try CBD. No, <laughs> that's that's uh, some real grassroots right there. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I liked your uh, your little tagline, uh, cultivation to brand creation. That's clever. Uh, so what types of challenges do you find that uh, the cannabis gives? And we could talk about the whole plant. So, I mean, we could start at CBD and meander over to THC or go the opposite way. Oh, yeah, CBD stuff. We've got a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of options. And, you know, like you're, it, it's, it's not anywhere near as regulated, um, but it is still stigmatized in some regards. And uh, I mean, I think the biggest downside of CBD right now is that there are so many uh, fly by night companies who are trying to get, you know, market share and that might have really just awful products. And so it kind of gets lost in the mix, you know, as far as uh, the differentiation between uh, who's a real viable company and actually puts out a quality product versus uh, those who are, you know, the uh, quick strip mall setup guys that, uh, you know, are, are, you know, pulling all their products out of China or whatnot, yeah. um, you know. And uh, not to say that China's bad, you know, that's fine. Well, so, again, it's a, it's kind of like saying like Mexican weed's good. I mean, like, so you have all these farmers, but I think, do you think some of it is because it's like freaking two minutes old in most states? I mean, Illinois is only on its second year of crops. How much brand recognition can you get in a, in a crop year, you know? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, there are some companies that I guess have, that have been doing it significantly longer. And so those guys have a little bit more of a leg to stand on. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, CBD in general is so, so new uh, as far as real public consumption. And what? so it is, it's an education piece more than anything else, you know? So whereas uh, for THC and, you know, dealing in cannabis, it's a little bit different because people have been used to this product for a long time now. And, you know, whether or not it's legal remains to be seen. You still know what it is. And so uh, when it comes down to it, there's not as much of, you know, the brand recognition aspect is not quite um, as, as important as, as knowing that this is a, well, I mean, it's always important, but as knowing that, you know, I know what THC does. I know that I would like to buy that. Oh, gelato. I've heard of that before, a birthday cake or whatever the hell. And yeah. so when you're looking for something like that, now you're putting more of a lifestyle sort of thing because you don't need to do quite as much education as you do for CBD. What if the advertisement regulations in your particular jurisdiction, I don't know, Illinois, for example, says you're not allowed to market your product in a way that would be uh, enticing to children. For example, runts or, or wedding cake or gelato or cookies, naming your product after treats. Um, how would you uh, try to coach uh, your clients in that respect? Yeah, that's tough. So at that point in time, you, you, you kind of you're not really selling the product so much as you are uh, the overall experience around a product. Right. And so you sell it kind of like you sell liquor in that um, you're, you're not saying, you know, hey, you're going to buy uh, runs and it's going to be the this is the you know, the it's going to give you this kind of a high or blah, blah. blah. This is how your body's going to feel with it and stuff. It's really you use imagery that that goes alongside the, the end result. And then the imagery that goes along with that. So you're not necessarily calling out product, but you're calling out overall experience and you know the euphoria that someone's going to experience from that. Well, all right, so we can give you that imagery based on these kinds of pictures and these kinds of videos that are then going to make you feel something. You get an emotional attachment to it. And that's the push that you're looking for with this just because it's, it helps you to get around some of those legalities, especially when they differ so much from state to state. And when you're dealing with like a federal uh, or like a nationally based company like or a global company like Facebook, who might get all in a bunch about it, 
um, just because of the fact that people can see it from all over the world. Uh, you know, it, if you're able to pull out some of those aspects that might be shady from one state to another or this gray area, then it helps you to keep something on the air a lot longer and not get shadow banned or not get pulled or, or whatever the case, you know. Even in the, within the state issue, because when you're doing THC, you can't do a national brand. You're dealing state by state focus. I mean, have you dealt with any interstate brands that are trying to have the same message across the state? Yeah, I, you know, honestly, we do a lot more on with uh, with with state localized. There's not as much. I haven't had as much inter interaction with uh, with with interstate brands. Um, but when you're looking at places like like you know Canopy or someone where they deal on a much larger scale and they're definitely trying to be federal and in in you know in all their endeavors, um, you know that's it, it. Still, kind of goes with the base your advertising off of the harshest state, and if mm. you can pass it based on that harshest state, then you're able to, you know, you're able to work kind of throughout and not run into as many issues. So like the Marlboro man or Spuds McKenzie, like those are, those are feelings that you would get <laughs> more like, you know, it's like, ah, oh, you know, you're smoking the cigarette because you're a cowboy, not because it, it, and it makes you cool. Or like, you know, I guess with all beer commercials, I think of spring break for yeah. some reason. Yeah. Uh, and right. right. And so like there yeah. you're that's kind of like a more of an emotional like, well, what experience are the people trying to get from this? And that would be interesting because then it would really have people turn inward toward the in even strain specific, like, you know, because, well, strain and or terpene affects specific. So like they'd be like, oh, you need weed for doing this aspect of your day, you know, the perfect weed for your coffee, because then you're going to work. You're going to be for dialed sure. in. You know, or at the end of the day, or, or like, what about the weed for after you've just done all the yard work and like yeah. you're just worn out, you know, with the Hindu cushions of the world? Yeah. You know, the, the weed that helps you rest yeah. and chill. Yeah, yeah. Like that patio weed. yeah right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you look at like Candescent, Candescent's a great brand for this one. I like yeah. their advertising, it's oh, very simple, it. um, yeah. all really nicely stylized and such. And at the end of it, like you kind of, when you look at it, it mostly emotes this sort of, I'm, I'm hanging out in a desert oasis in a, in a glamping facility of some sort, you know, or like what I like, it's, it's got this very kind of, uh, you know, like off the beaten path. This is my relaxation moment. And, but it's very, it's, it all looks very expensive and stuff too. Right. So, so you know that they're not just, uh, you know, at some, uh, you had a meth house in Joshua Tree. They're, no, they're in, they're in Abu Dhabi and they're yeah. living the dream, you know? Like it's, <laughs> and they kind of emote this sort of thing that's like, yes, oh, I like that. That's the level of relaxation I'm looking for. Abu Dhabi relaxation. <laughs> yeah. Oh, go ahead, Miggy. Do you find it though? I would think it's probably easier to, to brand and create uh, or create the brand for TAC products than it is for CBD because CBD's got the, federal focus where if you were to say like this is a wellness thing now you got because it falls under the supplements right vitamins and all the other shit so you actually sure. have a federal regulatory body looking at you whereas if it's a state body for most of the time they're just looking the other way because it's still a new market state by state no matter how old really do you find it easier for uh thc products then versus cbd Corey? i think he might frozen too you may have, but uh, Ken Essence yeah. logo, yeah. Not, not their yeah. logo, Ken Essence like saying that I really, I do enjoy that brand. It's like excellence and gratitude. Mm. So like I've seen stuff yeah. on Ken Essence and they are, they try to be like a Rolls Royce aspect of it. And now that I understand how Rolls Royce and like, you know, Armani and, and all those other luxury brands, they aren't selling the freaking car. They're selling that attitude. It's like, no, 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 you're better than everybody. 
You know, yeah. you know that feeling of smug superiority. Yeah. 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 When 502 yeah. first started, which is a oh, record. Well, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so like yeah. yeah, yeah, but it's all about like lifestyle, like you're saying. Because here for 502 for the cannabis brands, one of the billboards popped up everywhere when when recreational kicked in, and, and I thought that was the coolest thing. Driving into Seattle, you see a cannabis billboard and a beer billboard right next to each other, but the cannabis one had somebody like standing on top of a mountain, holding their hands up in the air, you know, with the vape pen like down below. Like I made it to the top of the mountain because you know it just gave that impression of like recreational hiking. You know, take us with you. Uh, I do. That's one of the yeah. things that I do. Like, if I was not on the show right now, I might be recreationally hiking because it's gorgeous outside. And if I was doing that, that's very often when I uh, a lot of joints have gone to die on my recreational hikes. <laughs> I'm not going to lie on that one. No. <laughs> that's well, that's cool. Yeah, for certain. Yeah, right. I, I don't know. I got to find out what kind of cannabis goes along with 115 degrees in the desert because I'm out in Joshua Tree right now. And oh, wow. let me tell you, there's no kind of hiking. Yeah. <laughs> you need like the cannabis that makes you just completely chill. Does Miles Davis have a strain? Yeah. You know, is there one that we can put next to an air conditioning unit or something like that? Maybe it's. Oh, man. I'm not sure which, which terpenes make you feel like it's 65 degrees outside, but we need those. Uh, well, we'll talk about like some mistakes that you find that uh, new cannabis brands are making with their marketing efforts. Oh, I think one of the biggest ones is, um, I, it, you know, people get really uh, hung up on THC percentages and um, these are our benefits type of thing, as opposed to focusing on like kind of more the direction in which the brand wants to like, what's your end demographic? And then once you've identified that end demographic, what are the things that make them excited? What makes them happy? Are you looking for the guys that, I mean, are you looking for college kids who don't have a bunch of money to put into this? So then maybe you're selling it based on like accessibility and cost and, uh, and still quality or something, right? You're always trying to put your quality into it, right? But, um, or if, are you looking for, you know, we're going for a higher echelon of a uh, buyer that, you know, the, 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 the old school head that wants to look for um, strains that no one else has and stuff, in which case, you know, you're, you, you, you kind of push what the, the personality of your brand is over trying to sell them on. It's got 28% THC. It's like, well, all right, who gives a damn, you know, is it a crap product? Cause that's at the end of the day, does it taste good? You know, like, is it going to make yeah. you happy or is it going to get this end result that you're really looking for? You know? Um, so people get caught up on some of the minutia that really doesn't, that's not going to resonate with the end user. You know, it's talk to your audience as though your brand is a person. And that person is someone who really wants to be cool with, you know, like, hey, man, we're buddies, you know, so how do you speak to your buddy? You know, I think that gets lost a lot. It's fascinating. And I, I could see it being overlooked because the the ability to nerd and geek out uh, on cannabis from a, a regulatory, uh, a legal and historical perspective or just from the straight up cultivation of it with how much science goes into the plant and, how, and the factors of like how does CBG turn into THC magically? Well, there's all this organic chemistry, and then you could really just dive into it uh, from a purely technical level and like try to explain that. But then you're you're explaining the benefits as opposed to doing what you're mentioning, uh, actually trying to understand why people feel a particular way when they use your product. Yeah, and I think the difference that yeah, it's, uh, you touched on this really well. Um, some people are super nerds about this and really want to dig into that stuff, which 
I mean, I get geeky about it, but I got nothing on Jamal, my business partner, Jamal Hackler. This guy is, I mean, he wants to be in all the guts of it. He wants to know every single aspect of it. What kind of lights were you guys using when you grew this stuff? You know, like the whole nine yards. Whereas your average, uh, you know, soccer mom could give two shits about that. You know, she just wants to know that I'm going to numb out the noise that I'm hearing from the back seats right now. And that's, you know, that's it. Like yeah, that's so. Tasty. Yeah, exactly. Like, this is good for what I've had a day with. The kids are down. It's mama's relaxed time. I'm going to get a glass of Pinot and I'm going to smoke this vape, you know, like that's. And so, you know, it's all about it. It comes down to talking to your demographic. Who's your end user? And if you want to be super nerdy about it, fantastic. And then embrace that and really feed them all the different aspects that they want to see from that, you know. But you know, otherwise, if it's something that's a little bit more baseline or you're coming for entry level users, then dumb it down, you know, make it something that's really accessible. That they can McKenzie. It was a but dog that sold beer. Anyway. <laughs> Good time. Well, <laughs> partying. A party yeah. dog. All right. Yeah, that, that's it. That is the what guy wore a shirt screaming yeah. out loud, you know? That's right. yeah. <laughs> Corey, because you used to work in the alcohol industry doing this, what do you think it'll take to help get more Americans in a mindset of treating it like alcohol where we're like, okay, here's a advice or something that's out there that's deadlier than most shit that's legal you know cannabis hasn't killed anybody but when can we get to the point where most people be like oh yeah like you're saying the soccer mom who just wants to to i need a good sativa today or a good indica because they don't care about like you said uh, the terpenes or the the notes or where it's from they just want something that gets you going fast or get you down to the couch you know there's only two options so most <laughs> think about you know yeah I mean, I think it really that's going to come along with federal legalization. Um, right now, you'll see in any state that opens up, like the the overall ethos and uh, you know and and direction that the state takes with it, and the people of that state take with it. Once it's become legal, it's uh, they, it, they change overnight. You know, um, my my dad lives out in Arizona, and uh, it's funny because coming from California and stuff, they look at us like you know, the, the, the hippie liberals or, or whatever the case. And uh, yeah, of course you guys would be fine with the devil's lettuce, you know, type of thing. And then uh, all of a sudden it becomes uh, medically okay down in Arizona and all of his golf buddies are taking it for their aches and pains. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and so well, then I didn't know it was going to save me three strokes off my short game. I, you know, I, I, you know. <laughs> my knees have never felt better. I'll do 18. No problem. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, that's it. And then all of a sudden, it, it happens damn near overnight, it seems like, in which yeah. it's become destigmatized and people start to find that, oh, all right, it's accessible, it's governmentally regulated, so it must not be that bad, right? <laughs> I mean, so. Well, <laughs> or it's there. And so it's currently there right now in the traditional market, the untaxed market. They're there. And so, like, if you wanted it, you could get it. It was way less accessible and also pure. And so like you wouldn't have the ability to have the selection or the quality because of the standards they put in it. And so I think that has really opened it up. And uh, and I also I mean, that's one of the fun things we get to talk about on the show is some policy about how to knock out the, you know, the traditional market or the untaxed market. But it doesn't have much to do with marketing. Um, the marketing aspect of it is how is it working for a product that's so popular that if you try to make it illegal, it'll still be there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, and that's so funny too. It's well, it's weird too to see like I guess where Weed Maps has gone with it, where they were like, "Yeah, fine, you're illegal. We don't give a shit. Just give us the money. We'll push your thing out there." And and uh, they actually, I think they won on that, right? Based on the same kind of uh, 
DCMA or something like that, the Digital Copyright Act of 2000 that says, we just put it out there. You're supposed yeah, to be complying. Yeah. We don't have any. It's the same one that Facebook and YouTube yep. and Twitter all fall under. And that's like, look, man, we give them the platform, but we didn't make the uh, the, the advertisements or whatever. That's on them. You know, whatever yeah. our consumers decide to put out there, that's our, our, our constituents, you know, like right. that's that's on them. And so um, so it's kind of funny to see where that goes. Um, I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, they, I mean, they get shut down pretty quickly and stuff. And, and, you know, it's, well, let's, let's get into that, that aspect of it. Miggy brought it up in the top of the show, how Pinterest, and then we've been shadow banned. Miggy, how long have we been shadow banned on Facebook? Oh man, for eight years. It's forever. And so like, have you seen that with your other clients that just run into smack dab a brick wall if they try too much on social media? Yeah. I mean, the big thing that I would, uh, always, uh, caution against is, actually putting down any kind of pricing or sales. You know, hey, we're having a sale right now. No, done. And the whole, I mean, I've seen, you know, 20,000 followers get shut down in an afternoon, no problem, you know? Yeah, um, my most, the, the most popular video that I had got yanked after a bit. And now like the, the replay that I did is going. And I think why that's, it's, I don't think it's gonna get ripped down because several times throughout it, as I explained to you the legality of online cannabis seeds, I implore you to comply with your state laws. And yeah. then there's disclaimers also in the actual uh, description of the video as well, where I tell people to follow their state laws. And I don't do what I did in the first video where I did exactly that, where I uh, told people, these are some cool places. They have great quality reputation. Uh, you can buy them there. And then I had links in the description that went directly to it. And then I read their policies and I'm like, oh, my bad. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, yeah. That, that's on me. Yeah, sorry. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I would say that you know, putting in your disclaimers and and sticking something in the copy that helps to represent that is always beneficial. Um, and in some regards, it actually you can twist it to 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 almost help your overall sales because then people can look at it from a you know like oh this is this is edgy or this is whatever you know it titillates a little bit more so mm -hmm. um, than just a you know a standard well this is this is just legal nonsense or this is just marketing copy or whatever the hell, you know? Um, so to have a little bit of a, you know, warning, you know, type of thing like that always, mm. always helps the push. It does. Uh, what do you recommend though for, for uh, uh, your customer or your uh, clients to get their name out, to get the word out? Oh, I mean, you're, you're, you, you want to do a combination of social SEO. Um, I mean, and then depending on what kind of products you have, because I deal with manufacturers and producers as well as with, um, you know, end products and and uh, dispensaries and such. And so if you're a brand that's selling a concentrate or whatever the hell, you know, work backwards from the dispensary in like, you know, to have a nice um, setup inside the dispensary, right? Display unit, POS, whatever the case. Um, there's a lot. Most di uh, dispensaries these days are using digital signage boards and uh and menus inside there that you can then sell advertising on and stuff right the advertising set is pretty cheap more times than not yeah. so it gets people on that like immediate purchase thing right it's it's the hits the row of snickers bars right next to the register type of thing where it's like all right fucking give me one of those you know yeah. so that's always great but building your social media presence is huge um and and really getting that seo going especially if you're talking about like a dispensary or a delivery company it's crazy to me how many people pay, don't pay attention to their GMB, right? The Google My Business aspect. Oh, no, no. Like, um, I can talk to you about SEO at great length uh, because, like, I'm good at it. And, like, not only am I good, I'm result one for Cannabis Lawyer. Not page, yeah. just result. You know, you uh, 
yeah, it's not bad. And then like, I just, I'm like, all right, so here was my problem with SEO. Nobody understands it. Everybody says they can do it. And then uh, people are terrible at buying it because they don't know what they're buying. And yeah. so I had two things going, my, 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 my kind of like consulting business brand business, which is selling, you know, like, no, this is what you need. Here's how you sell stuff on the internet. No, trust me. I've been selling stuff on the internet for a while. Uh, and doesn't matter. Uh, Cause then they got another guy from India or I'm not going to pick on India, but just like usually from overseas yeah. that promises they're going to be on page one and it's going to just be $200 a month forever. And, and so people will buy that because money sells cars and they're coming in way cheap than like what an actual SEO thing costs and what the actual, because like you're in a part of a content strategy right now. Thank you for coming. Uh, yep. So this is how to advertise your CBD. There is going to be a web page from my site, which has a fairly high domain authority regarding that. And so uh, we're trying to like just cut out little pieces of and pieces of our, our uh, digital real estate. And we're doing quite well at it. But um, uh, when I was trying to sell that, and my legal services. And so I would use that to drive sales to the legal services. And that just became so much more profitable, so much yeah. faster. I'm like, all right, I'm not going to try to sell this crap anymore. They don't even want to bite at a thousand bucks a month. That guy over there wants to need a, to help him with a cannabis application is going to pay me tens of thousands of dollars. Gladly. And yeah. thank you, yeah. SEO. I'm glad it worked. Doing its job. <laughs> Doing its job. You know, and then people are like, I don't know. And, and then nobody understands it. I'm like, okay, well, um, here, how do you rank a page? No, go give me a page that you built that you think ranks. And I want to look at it. And, and even that, that ask alone was like hard when I was screening for SEO people. And I'm like, all right, I'll just do it. And then, and then I do, there's one company that I'm thinking about buying stuff out of in Seattle. Uh, I just haven't bought it yet. I think though we have an easier when it comes to SEO for media and cannabis, because we kind of group everything together. Whereas if you're a grower or a store, I mean, if you're a store, you can have a lot of components, but you could name your you could name your cultivation Peoria Cannabis Cultivation, something like that. And so uh, it's the same SEO game. So that, there's a reason why this is cannabis legalization news you're on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and so, the, the more direct and root your your website and and products are, then the easier your SEO is going to work for you because it's you're touching on something that's that's already a search term and such. And especially if it's really specific and for a smaller market. Um, when you're dealing with like cannabis delivery, Los Angeles though, like, oh man, dude, you got so many options. It's ridiculous. And that's where the GMB comes into it more. Yeah. Um, cause with Google, my business, you, you know, you want to be in that three pack, the, the top three, um, companies that, that come in when you say, you know, a delivery cannabis delivery near me or whatever the hell, yeah. if you're not in that top three, then you, that's 92% of the business on the internet goes to that top three. You're fighting for that additional 8%. And so it's it's just night and day between how much business those top three companies are going to get versus anyone that's beyond those top three. If you have to expand the page, no one wants to see that shit. No one's paying yeah. that much attention. Three choices. That's enough for me. I'll figure that's it right. out. That's right. If you're not here and like again, and then my problem now is I don't have this automated and like and looped in. So like somebody's happy and I immediately send them uh, an email that says, go leave me a five star review at Cannabis Industry Lawyer. This is my Peoria location. If I was searching in Chicago, my Chicago location would come up. And so now what I'm doing is I'm finding um, office space for about 60 to 80 dollars per month. And then I'll be like, all right, drop a pin there, dropping one there, dropping one there. Cool. And then. Yep. Yeah, but for right now, Illinois is the the big game in town. But like, if Florida breaks wide open, oh, I'm dropping a pin there. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's the more you can put out, the better you're gonna do. Well, I was thinking about doing Oklahoma. 
thinking about doing Oklahoma Oklahoma. great right now. Um, I'd say Maryland's great, you know. Just Massachusetts, sorry, Massachusetts. Massachusetts mm. is great, yeah. Mm. Um, just because they've got, uh, I mean, they're, they're the same way. It's vertically integrated, you know, and so there's just a lot of different aspects that you have to think about with it, mm. which is fun. Yeah. Anytime you, guys- you get one of those states where it's like you have to, you're doing the grow and you're doing the manufacturing and you're doing the distribution of it and stuff, then generally speaking, it's, it's difficult for any one group to handle all those aspects. So some part of it, they're going to have to farm out. And if they're farming it out, then that means they need help from a lawyer or that means oh, they need, yeah. you know, they're going to need some contracts done. They're going to need some something, right? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's that means that someone's either going to need help with the production end of it and cultivation, or they're going to need help with the marketing and distribution. So, so one of my teams is going to be able to deal with that. Nice. That's right. Because those companies, they need contractors. Yeah. Well, indeed. What yeah. do you think, Corey? What would you think is a success for? Because uh, I can only think of one. Well, there's actually two. Uh, Chiba Chews used to be uh, multi-state. I know they used to be here in Washington, and then also in California. Uh, but cookies, you know, Burner. He's the only brand I can think of that's in various states. And I think the focus on him has always been the genetics. But I think for the consumers, it should be the grower, the farmers. You know. Yeah, I mean that's funny that you say that because it's it really is. You could have the same genetics in two different farms, and if the farmers are completely, if they take completely different perspectives on how to grow and what the best practices are, you're going to come out with two different products. Yeah. So consistency is difficult there. I mean, I would assume, and I don't know this, but I would assume that in the case of say Chiba, like you, they probably set up. All right, I'm going to go to the farm. I'm going to make sure that we're doing the same practices that we had in California in Washington. And make sure that maybe you're moving the same master grower from one location to another just for the sake of, you know, keeping that consistency. Um, but continuity in, 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 um, in your uh, SOPs is, is, is paramount without question. I just think we're remiss as a, as a culture if we just don't focus on, like, say, I wish I could have an Ez Roosevelt joint or a, a, a Jorge Cervantes, you know, something from the, the old school growers. You know, we don't have anybody that we talk about anymore. There's no names. You know, uh, TJ Subcool passed away. Um, there's all these other unknown people that I think need to be brought out to the light and I think would help promote cannabis itself, too. Don't you think? Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, Ed's actually got a really good uh, blog. He puts out a lot of decent information still to this day, even though he's semi-retired at this point in time and uh, <laughs> joined life on the farm with the missus. Seriously, but, though, but if you're Ed Rosenthal, haven't you been retired since the day you were born? I mean, like, what do you do? I grow weed, and I'm like one of the most famous ones at it. Right? How did you get that job? You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> a shit. lot of bobbing and weaving back in the day, man. I don't know. Oh, shit. Yeah, I mean, like, it was not easy to get through the 80s, I bet. But um, so speaking of, because like, Back in the day, um, you know, those guys actually had to publish books and stuff. Like, what types of traditional forms of media? So, like, traditional forms being anything before the internet existed, uh, should cannabis companies employ or avoid when when creating their brand? Oh, um, I mean, it's funny that you say that. that. Like, Ed still publishes those books, and every year comes out with a new one, and they just change out the inserts for advertising and such, which is, I mean, that's the means that you could go about uh, I mean, personally, I think, you know, billboards do great in, in some regards, you know, like when you're talking about OOH marketing, um, it, it, you know, it really depends on your location. Um, in store is for some locations uh, is, is paramount. Uh, I know we, I seen uh, the article on, uh, Germany putting the, the, the kibosh on, um, on CBD vapes and uh, cutting down the, you're not able to advertise them anymore and such, uh, digitally. 
And so now the only way you can do it is like you do tobacco. And, but they're actually, they're putting it down to the point where like, it's only for in stores, can't even do it on billboards and such. But that's where, you know, really going to that POS piece and having a solid display that's either interactive or, or, um, or really informational is going to go a long way because then you can make that, uh, you know, point of purchase sale where someone makes it into the dispensary and they're taking a look at stuff like this one jumps out. Whereas this other one is just a pile of, you know, crap in a box or whatever the hell, or just hanging on a, on a, uh, on a peg, it, it doesn't quite jump off the shelves in the same way. So, you know, it costs a little bit to get those done, but at least it's something that's then going to engage with the consumer and they have an opportunity to kind of look at it in a different light than they would for something else that's just hanging on a peg. You know, I think that a lot of the um, cultivation is going to probably going to try to go a little bit more local uh, because especially in the craft grow market, I could see that being more of a local thing uh, simply because then people might get, people love where they're from. Otherwise there wouldn't be baseball teams. And so, um, yeah, I, I know that that might not be accurate, but still, uh, because of that, how do you, would you see like a local cultivator that's got maybe a, you know, a small market, maybe only 500,000 people in the community that live around there? How would you advise them to, to hold events or to, to go about their marketing strategy? Well, with that, I mean, it's tough in the times of COVID, right? Because otherwise, I mean, there's traditional experiential kind of events that you can put together or co-sponsor that would go a long way generally speaking. But while we're keeping gatherings to really small numbers, you know, you kind of have to think a little bit differently with that. Um, I think really embracing that, that, uh, that neighborhood aspect. And it's, it's funny, you kind of see this as well in, uh, in terms of um, small farmers that are, that do like beef and stuff now, right? Steak guys and butchers and shit are kind of getting a little bit more of a resurgence because, People are getting tired of the mass conglomerate uh, Walmart steak, you know, kind of behavior. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's just, you know, it's just these huge industrial complexes and stuff. And they want something that's a little bit more local that's, that they can connect with and say, oh, that cow grew up, you know, six miles from here. His name was Steve and he's delicious, you know, or whatever. All right, great. It's the same way with cannabis. We grew this shit. Yeah, the best fucking ribeye. Just yeah. outside of town. And. Uh, you know, it's run by Dick and Judy and they're swell folks and uh, and they really care about you can go and do a tour of it even, you know, like, you know, yeah. that kind of thing is you can embrace it to the point where you can actually bring people on property. Um, that's fantastic because people like this tactile sort of experience where they're able to say, no, I've seen this before. And they have, fan- they have it's a beautiful facility or they have great practices or it's really rustic. And, you know, there's something that they're going to identify with. Yeah. This fix on this, you know, like I I live in California, and so you can go up the coast and hit Napa or Sedona or one of these places where they do a a bunch of wine cultivation, and the tours that they have there are they're fantastic and they're sold out all the time. And yeah, but we hear about like uh, the opposite in cannabis, and maybe Napa is a wonderful uh, counterpoint to this because we hear about uh, you know robbery at dispensary or robbery at cultivation center. And so um, why isn't Napa getting jacked? Yeah, because no one's going to go and steal a bunch of grapes and then just turn them into wine themselves, right? Whereas cannabis, the thing's just, the fruit's growing on the tree, man. You know, you just have to pull it off and take it. But in the same regard, I think that you're going to see, I think over time, that'll ease up. Someone's going to figure out a way of doing it where maybe you're not walking through the field per se, but you're all around it. And so then therefore you can see the canopies, you can see whatever, you know, depending on how the facilities, you know, go and stuff or if it's indoor, outdoor, but um, you know, you can kind of, 
you can be a part of the experience. And I think you could do it more like a brewery tour where it's like you're not allowed to just stick your hand in the vat. But at the end of yeah. it all, we're going to go and get a beer and it's going to be fine. You know, but you get to see how, you know, how right. it's all put together and stuff. And, and there's a connection that's made with that, you know. And then especially if you can sell right there on property too, you know, depending on how your license is set up, then, yeah, walk away here. It's 20% discount if you're buying right from us or whatever the case, you know, or yeah, some kind are. of product that they don't offer. We don't even put this strain out there. It's not in any of the accessories special for if you come here and visit us type of thing. You know, like there's a lot of different play you can do with that. Aren't you is Joshua Tree, isn't that where Mike Tyson's ranch is at? His ranch is on the way. It's uh his ranch is kind of in between Joshua Tree and Palm Springs, I want to say. Okay. Got, the guy's got freaking five hundred acres out there or something yeah. like that. It's nuts. In the middle of the desert. I mean, like so it's um, I, I haven't been to the facility yet, but we had him on. A, I had him on a different podcast that would produce uh, Business Outlaws, and yeah. uh, and he broke down kind of exactly what he's doing out there and how he plans on making it work. And so uh, you had Mike Tyson on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, who's this on. guy? Who do we got to call to get Mike? Ty- Mike. Uh, so 1986, just knocking motherfuckers out. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I mean, half the conversation was about weed, and half the conversation was about boxing. Um, and by the time it was all said and done, you couldn't tell the difference between the two. It was uh, <laughs> a lot of. Well, I watched his podcast. podcast so. You ever watched the Hot Boxing podcast? Yeah. Yeah, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking awesome. I got a yeah, that podcast, yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah, but that's really cool. Like right now, too, he's doing a bunch of like uh like reality show stuff, like where it's kind of jokey, mockumentary. Oh. Like, yeah. So he's actually boxing. I've seen this stuff going around that it looks like he's actually got a box. When's the when's the fight? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, him and Roy Jones or something, huh? Yeah. I saw when he came to the office. This was about uh, about a year and a half, two years ago now, and uh, he was punchy, man. Like he had a he had a good sized gut on him. Oh, yeah, know? yeah. And, and he, he would, would he would brag about not working out. He's like, oh, I yeah. don't work out at all. Yeah. yeah, and there was no point in time in which I ever thought he wouldn't knock me dead on my ass with one punch. Hundred percent. You can just tell. You can feel the force from him, yeah. but. Uh, but yeah, but he wasn't looking in the best of shape. And the videos I've seen of him recently, man, that guy is cut off. It's ridiculous. But yeah, it's nuts. Weed works, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. That's it. That's what does it. Yeah. And, and, you know, the reason why I brought him up is because what you were describing, I think is what the ranch says. I think they have a grow and they're doing that whole immersive thing, which I think sounds amazing. Yeah, that was kind of the idea. He actually wants to throw um, festivals there too and stuff. And yeah. like like a Coachella adjacent sort of thing and stuff, you know, That'd which is awesome. I mean, make it happen. Apparently, they had some good names lined up and stuff, but what with uh, you know, COVID kicking off and you know, kind of slowed yeah. everything. But I think you know, you get a, a bank kind of design, a bank or casino kind of kind of design, because you just aren't allowed in the vault, you know. And that's yeah. Why don't you then have it? It's very easy to fix that problem. There's the supply. There's the money. There's the the chips. You can't get those, uh, but then you can go over there and enjoy it. And then I hear that uh, Peter Frampton is playing tonight. Yeah, I mean, right? And you just, you've just got a little pit of lava that goes around where your actual grow is or something to deter people from going there. Maybe yeah, laser sure. shark or whatever. We're going to have to talk to the cannabis nerds about that because they might be like, no, man, that sulfur's going to fuck out the terpenes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Maybe it's just a minefield then or something. Yeah. Floor's lava. <laughs> Corey, thank you so much for joining us today. Where can we go to find, follow THC Creative Solutions if we have any questions about branding or marketing yeah yeah thanks uh so go to the website that's just uh thccreativesolutions.com and it's got all of our socials on there uh as well give a lot of information as far as what we do all the services we offer and 
and bios about some of our team and such. Great. We'll throw those links in the description. Before we go, we do want to shout out Nick. He threw some money in our super chat. Uh, we want to let everybody know a portion of the uh, donations go to pop prisoners. So shout out to Nick. Thank you so much. And also on Sunday, we're going to have a super celebration. 5,000 subscribers. Thank you guys. We're going to do a smoke out giveaway, maybe play some games, come out, have some fun with us, smoke with us digitally. But uh, yeah, thanks for tuning, every, tuning in. Make sure you like and subscribe to keep up with all cannabis legalization news. We'll see you guys on Sunday.